Hi, welcome to the Rock Bottom to Recovery podcast. Wait. I am Shane Johnson. Oh, people can catch in after. Right. No, wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is the Rock Bottom to Recovery I podcast. I think episode five. Correct? We don't have a guest today. Uh, actually, my guest is my co-host. And uh, my guest is my co-host. We were actually just discussing um, what swear words not to use. And uh, Bill no. and I just had a session of not using the D word. Yeah. I can yeah. say D word. No, yeah, but I mean, there's so many D word swears. So right I'm now, there's people specify. probably going through their head. Yeah. They're like, oh, they were just talking about this, this, yeah, and this, yeah. and this. Yeah, I just tell, yeah, someone's like, oh, I just texted the D word to yeah, someone. No, yeah, no, it really wasn't as bad. No, it's not yeah, as bad. Yeah. Listen, we swear a lot off the show, you know, but we're not going to uh, do it on I the show. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Shane does. I, I do. I have a filthy mouth. Um, so welcome to the Rock Bottom to Recovery podcast. I'm Shane Johnson. Bill Farrell. And um, we are going to, um, it, it's sort of open topic, sort of, um, I have things uh, on my chest that I'd like to talk about. Bill has things on his chest he'd like to talk about. He has something that he'd like to announce now, and then we will get to um, uh, tearing down society. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think we're going to be that long. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. Beep. We've got to put a stop on this for a quick second because... Okay. Normally we uh, we're going from uh, what uh, Thursday minutes. mornings yeah, Thursday thir- mornings at yes. ten a.m. Yes, but Shane, myself, finally got a job after a two-year hiatus. I went back to construction, um, which I am actually excited about. I'm exhausted because I didn't know that four a.m. felt like this on my body. He's, he's exhausted <laughs> because he didn't realize work, actual work. Yeah. Or Usually I work, hurt the body. I, I've been working from this for two years, so I decided to go back to uh, the real world, but uh, it, it, it feels good. It feels really good so to go back. you work today. Yeah. So why don't you tell uh, Facebook Nation and, and our podcast people, what, what did you actually do today? Uh, actually, I went to the uh, Hopkinton Labor School, and I took a Hotworks uh, course, and I was up at the school all day, and then, uh, uh, but right now, I'm I'm doing high-rise window cleaning, which is something that I've done for 15 years now. Um, but I'm actually in the laborers' union. I've been in the laborers' union for about eight years. Took a three-year hiatus when I was using drugs. Uh, uh, you know, I quickly learned what a liquid lunch was. You know, uh, Thursday, Friday, you know, you cash your check on Friday. You go to the bar at about 11 a.m., and, and you get enrolled home uh, out of uh, your foreman's truck, uh, drunk and broke. On Friday, Fridays? Friday night. I don't know Fr- what union he was in, but <laughs> that happened every day at lunch. Yeah, fr- Friday <laughs> Friday morning we start drinking, Friday night I'm broke. So, um, and it was just a consistent... Um, consistent run i it was it was booze it was pills it was coke uh you know and coke cocaine whatever uh i was a complete mess in the union decided i'm gonna go to the navy um i tore my acl just before i got to the navy um so i get to boot camp i'm hiding the injury uh, cause my recruiter said he was like, uh, you know, just lie about it. So I get in there, they check my knee out. They're like, your ACL's completely gone. <laughs> but I, I already, about it. I already had a plan when I got to the Navy. Uh, I was going to have, so I got home port guarantee. I wanted to go to Honolulu. Yeah. Right? And, uh, my plan was to have my girlfriend mail me cocaine so I could sell cocaine on. Where was she going to mail that to? 
Hawaiian Islands. Hawaiian Islands. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I had goals, and uh, so I left. I left the Navy, uh, honorable discharge, because I didn't. I didn't know I. I tore my ACL. Luckily, I got an honorable discharge by throwing the recruiter under the bus. Nice. And um, and uh, so I I got discharged, and honestly, it's one of those. Um, I know they say don't live regrets, because when I left, I ended up having see, uh, my daughter. But um, my entire family is in the military, and if you're thinking about going into the, to the military, it's one of those regrets that I have because I totally and completely respect the military, and I actually have dreams still of me getting recruited <laughs> because I feel like if I had the right person and the healthier mind, I would have pushed myself to do something like that because serving your country is yeah. a, an amazing privilege. It is. It so, is. Um, And... Um, <clears throat> I uh, I joined the Marines when I was 17 years old, and I I, I think up oh, yep there my mom my mom is watching up oh, she says uh, Hi, what mom. happened I lost you Hi, no Bill. ma you never Hi, lost Bill. me I have Bill's mom I'm still here and I still love you and I will always be your son mom that was a tender moment wasn't it that was it was uh, yeah yeah that was uh, awesome oh I hit that um, yeah so I was 17 and I, what I remember was uh, <laughs> the recruiter sitting in the living room and. Uh, because I had to have my parents sign. I was scared. So, um, so they, uh, my father looked at me and he's like, uh, "Are you sure you want to do this?" And I was like, "Yep." And he was like, "Good." <laughs> and he See signed you. away. <laughs> See you later. So, and um, so, uh, and then off I went. And I could have sworn I heard them cheering as I was walking <laughs> down the. <laughs> Ma, were you guys cheering? I think you were. But anyways, um, but then I get in the Marines and it's like. You're on base. I'm stationed out in Camp Pendleton. Uh, well, I went to Paris Island first, so nothing happened there for three months. And then uh, once you get to Camp Pendleton, oh, it's on. Nothing, Work hard, no, play Nothing hard. happened in Paris Island. Well, no. I mean, I'm saying talking like booze-wise. They, they, they whipped you <clears throat> into shape, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know what's funny is I, I uh, quickly learned the difference between a chief and a petty officer. Yeah. Um, I called the chief petty officer, and he's like, there's nothing petty about me, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "All right, this is awesome." <laughs> you learn quick. Yeah, you know how you know how hard it is when they tell you uh, because we were, you know, they didn't feel like we were pushing hard enough that day. They said, uh, "You know, there's about sixty of us in our ship," and and he goes, um, "Well, you sick? All sixty of you have two minutes to shower." So. You know, quickly, like, you go to bed with soap on your body, still smelling filthy, and then he yeah. cusses us out for stinking the next day. Nice. Yeah. You can't <laughs> win. No, you can't. You can't. They'll break you down and build you up. I actually, um, in boot camp, um, I used to watch, like, uh, re, um, whatever you pass by a drone instructor, whatever, you'd say, good morning, sir. And as soon as you said, good morning, sir, that opened the door for them to scream at you. Whatever, like, uh, what's so good about it? So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was, I'm a genius. So, when one morning, a drone instructor was cutting through the barracks, and I yelled, Morning, sir. And um, he stopped and he got it right up in my face and he said, What's so good about it? And I said, Sir, recruit didn't say, Good morning, sir. Recruit said, Morning, sir. And he like just stormed off. And I was like, Yeah, I just got him. <laughs> yeah. Until he came back with two other drill instructors. And then they literally stood by one on each side and one right in the middle. And they spit and screamed all over my face. And I could see them, like, smiling, kind of, as they were screaming and spitting all over my face. So, yeah, I won that one. So do you say good morning to people now or do you just uh, say I don't morning? say nothing to anybody because I don't want to relive <laughs> that You just walk nightmare. right by people now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, you so. seem like that kind of person. Yeah, no, he doesn't at all. He's actually so. a really good guy. <laughs> um, but when I was in the Marine, so... Like I said, I joined when I was 17, so by the time I got to Camp Pendleton, 
it was on. You work hard, you play hard, you go to the E Club, and uh, you get like uh, what uh, big pitches of like it cost two bucks for a pitcher of beer. So it, it was nuts. And I figure you think about it, eighteen year old, mm. just able to drink. Mm. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess what uh, kind of pushed me into the military was that my cousins were already in the Navy. I was 18 years old, and they'd come home on leave, and we'd we'd drink. Yeah, yeah. Well, one night we're at the Red we're at the Red Sox game, and and we're getting wasted. This is when you could sneak beers into the Red Sox game before. Before like the tightest security, so we got a thirty pack in there. Through like my other two female cousins got it in their purse. My male cousin, so we're wasted. First night we go, we win. My cousin's like, we're going back another night, so we go, we lose. And he goes, we're picking a fight tonight. I'm eighteen years old. He walks up to a guy, he, he yells at him. He's like, you know, you shouldn't be talking to my girl. We weren't even with anyone that was our, like unless they was our family. But he's lying to the kid to pick a fight. The kid sticks his finger in his face. My cousin punches him, and, and we get jumped by five people. <laughs> Maced by the cops and then sent home. It was uh, <laughs> That was at the baseball game? That was at the baseball a game. A typical night at Fenway Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I think they used to open the doors at, like, after the seventh inning. It was Yeah. It was yeah. cool, though. We got to – we I, that was um, – Cal Ripken was still playing, so I got to see him play. Which That's was, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was – I mean, that was the guy of a million stances, yeah. you know. We had uh, Yastrzemski. Yeah, boom. That, that's that was my uncle's favorite player. So, yeah. Yes. So let's uh what do, what do you have for well, us here? Why I'm, don't you give out the number in case anybody wants all right, to call? So if anyone wants to call, um actually you can call right now because my phone is not on Instagram Live. Um so if you want to call, it's one eight 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 four one five nine one three nine and it'll go directly to my phone. That's one eight 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 four one five nine one three nine. Um and if you want to call and you have a question, I'll write it down and then we'll we'll answer it back on the uh on the uh, Facebook Live boob tube, and then we have the um, we have the message. Um, you, you can message us at Rock Bottom to Recovery. Yes, you can. Uh, you can Facebook. message the page Rock Bottom to Recovery. Um, hey, just just a quick teaser. Next week we have Shannon Egan. Um, she's an author, speaker, and a cosplay warrior. Um, she does a lot of recovery work um, over in Africa as well as in Utah, of our, her hometown. She's an amazing individual, and I can't wait for you guys to hear her. And uh, I would, um, I'm going to throw in that um, I belong to Holbrook um, Cares um, Coalition. We meet Holbrook, um, Massachusetts. In Holbrook, Massachusetts. And then um, we meet at, um, um, we have meetings every, um, is it second Tuesday? I think I'm going to mess that up. I always mess this up, and I should know this, but um, Shane will look that up while, while I do that. But uh, we also have a drop-in center. I actually center. don't have that information. And we meet the second Monday of every month at the Brookville uh, Church in uh, Holbrook at 871 South Franklin Street. It's just uh, an opportunity um, for you to come in between 6 and 8 and get yourself connected into re- some resources. Um, if you're experiencing any substance abuse or if you um, – Substance you f- use. Substance use. Wait, I, why, why do we use that term, substance because use? Because I've abused a lot of substances that I used. All right. SAMHSA actually asks us to use substance use instead of substance abuse. I do not have the technical reason why, but trust me, I've abused every single drug I've ever touched. Why do they want you to say that anyways? I just think it's less harmful towards the person that's suffering from alcoholism or addiction. Well, if we're harmful in any way to anybody, I want to apologize up front. That's not our intentions. Yeah, but I openly will tell you that I abuse substances. Yeah. And I think who doesn't, right? Yeah, and I'll tell you what's crazy is, and, and a lot of people tell you that 
we love getting high. We hate the consequences that come with it. Yeah, isn't that I think that's life, though. You, you, you know, you enjoy the things that are not good for you. You just hate the consequences that yeah. come with it. In the moment, it's fantastic. Yeah, but yeah. not so much after. Yeah, regret. So, so on the f- second Monday of every month, um, six to eight p.m. If um, you know somebody or you need some help, you can come in and uh, we'll have resources. We have clinicians. We ha- you get NACAD and training. Um, I know there's other um, groups there, like I see Teen Challenges there every week. Uh, well, every time we do it, let me and, and Narcotics Anonymous is there. So it's just a place to come in if you have any questions. Come in and get them. Um, and then and, and we're, we're, we're in partner with um, Avon. So Avon uh, does it on the fourth Monday of every month. And uh, they're on the, at the Council of Aging, 65 East Main Street in Avon, fourth Monday. Same thing, 6 to 8. You can go over there and grab some resources and see what's uh, – I really like these headsets. They are. They're cool. Yeah, they are. I don't know if you – if you remember way back uh, to our very first podcast um, – which was probably, what, a couple of weeks ago? A few weeks ago? Yeah, yeah about, about a month ago. So we had, like, microphones and everything, and now, mm-hmm. look, we got these we got these headphones. Look at this backdrop right we, here. We can't drop these mics. Uh, Shane and I are in the uh, Bahamas right now. That's actually the window. And uh, when we're all said and done, we're jumping into that ocean. Look, yeah. at the, look at the palm tree blowing. Zach's not here, so we can jump <laughs> through the screen. Yeah. See, when Zach's here, Zach kind of... Um, He's kind of like he keeps us. Yeah, on the but if we break this, we can blame other people because Zach's not here. We're gonna blame Dylan. Dylan is kind of our producer today. He's sitting over there right now. He's smiling. He thinks it's funny, but it won't be yeah. when we tell Zach that he broke that. Yeah, so, but uh, he really shouldn't break stuff. So, Dylan. all right, let's uh, focus, Shane. Um, so we have the drop-in center again, Hovercares Coalition. Check that out on um, Facebook, and uh, we're always posting. The ladies that are a part of that are always posting information, meetings, upcoming events. Um, and it's all geared towards anyone who's experienced or is going through, at the moment, any type of substance use abuse. Can I say that? Yes, I think. That's right. I, I'm Anyways, not. I'm, so, oh, all right. Thanks, Dylan. Take Dylan it. told us if we break it, we buy it. So um, so just with that out there, um, we ha- I have, I- I'm involved in a show, big, big show this Saturday night at the IBEW Hall in Boston. It's, uh, it's going to be a, it's, uh, raffles and food and auction, and um, it's going to be a little music. But more importantly, um, there's going to be some comedy. There's some great comedians. There's this dude, Billy Farrell. Um, he had one of the top-notch upcoming rising comedians in the, in the uh, I'd like to say the country. but Polarizing. Um, and then we have Jessica Cassiano and Mike Pettit, who has 30 years in the business. He's um, uh, he's phenomenal, phenomenal. And um, Mike's also in uh, recovery too, and not afraid. And he's actually going to have him on the podcast to talk about that, maybe from the entertainment side. Yeah, but he side, better be he's funny. He better all, be. He better. Oh, he better be. Funny. You better bring the funny. He does impressions. He's just phenomenal. He's awesome. high energy. I just can't wait. I'm kidding. You don't really have to do that if you're listening. <laughs> I, I can't wait Hopefully. for the audience. To, to see these other comedians because they're so good and and there's a lot of people coming out um i think the uh the mayor might be there i th- i heard that he might be there the mayor of uh, boston the mayor of uh, brockton so um and more importantly we're going to have a good night um, we're going to raise some money and that money is going to go to the um, adwina martin house uh, which is one of the few houses in um, our state for uh, women in recovery and that's been around for a long time in 2012 they uh, purchased another house, and then and that's the graduate house. So what you basically what you do is you go to the Edwina Martin house uh, to get um, 
uh, retreatment. And then once from there, usually how it works, you're, you're kind of back out on the street, right? Wouldn't yeah, you? so it'd be, you know, what they're trying to do is they're trying to create extended level of care uh, beyond halfway. A detox, CSS, TSS, Arduino, and then a step down that is kind of under the same umbrella, which um, we need more of. Uh, we we need that extended care. We that's do. huge, correct? We do. Um, and, and that's kind of um, – so uh, part of what I wanted to uh, – well, do you have any? Well, no, just at, just at that graduate house, when they when they got that up and rolling in, in 2012, it was such a success that they, they really – they they need another one because it it's it's not big enough um, to help um, the women that need the help and so um, that's what this fundraiser is about and so if you're not doing anything um, if you're in recovery if you know somebody in recovery come on out and um, join us um, tickets will be sold at the door um, I I think um, I think we're probably close to 450 maybe 500 people that's amazing um, so. Um, you know, the more the merrier because, you know, people need help and we want to help them. So um, with that said, um, what? So uh, I guess I guess my gripe with uh, with this week is I, I, I've been seeing a lot more of treatment centers in high schools. And I think um, I think there's a place for treatment centers. And um, I have worked for treatment centers. And um, oh, I do believe in... So I do believe in tre the treatment field. Um, the the issue where I, I'm having lately is that I, I'm seeing that treatment is offered as the first step. When if you look at what treatment is, and I, I, I it was a humbling experience. I was at the Gavin House one time, and I'm at work, and I'm bragging about being at the Gavin House. And um, my foreman at the time, he he tells me he was like, uh, he's like, why do you keep bragging about being at the Gavin House? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And um, he had said, he goes, well, he's like, it's, you're homeless. And he's like, you, in order to get into this place, you did a lot of, you did a lot of wrong in order to get in there. And he's like, now you're bragging about being in there. And so what I, what I see more often is that we glorify treatment. And like I say, there's no knock against treatment, but treatment is rock bottom. And if we're not trying to tackle and reverse what we're doing, not reverse, but the way I look at it is treatment comes after the drug dealer. Treatment comes after the broken home. Treatment comes after the bad education. And I honestly, I, I, I get frustrated because I, I see a lot of it. I see a lot of, you know, treatment centers and, and they, you know, they're all pitching to these high schoolers. And I, and, and I will. I'll use the term pitch. And I, I really don't, like, I don't have to follow rules on this show. Like, Sam, so we don't really have to follow Sam. So this is yeah. our show. Um, but I do respect things. But I know they pitch because I pitched myself. Right. And I've done these things. And, and it frustrates me because I, I see it's such a, I'm conflicted inside. And I, I other people say, oh, well, I'm not. Well, I, I, I highly doubt that other people are not conflicted. But what happens is that money Money, you, you, you are divided by money. Right. Money money gets in the way of, like, putting certain important things first. And what happens is we create these, you know, I, I remember, you know, giving, you know, someone gave me advice. Oh, you know, get into the Learn to Cope. Go speak at Learn to Cope. Why should I speak at Learn to Cope? Learn to Cope is an amazing program. Right. But the real reason why I was told to go speak at Learn to Cope was to market. I'm marketing to mothers like, hey, come to my treatment center. When, right. when I don't, I don't necessarily believe in treatment as a first option. I believe in education as a first option, and and honestly, if we're 
continuing to pitch treatment. We're continuing to glorify rock bottom. And I'm telling you right now, these treatment centers are not set up. They're not set up for the people that are truly struggling. And we're not setting up for the next generation. We're recycling in the treatment centers this generation right. and pitching treatment to the next generation that aren't necessarily addicts. Why aren't we pitching an educational program? How do we become, as a, as a, as a society, uh, how do we get ourselves to a point where rock bottom is the first answer for the next generation? And uh, look, I, I want to see my the rest of my generation live. Right? right? Three people died on my Facebook this week. One I, one girl I grew up with, and it was it was absolutely tragic. But the frustration is that I see myself just like everyone else in these high schools. Right. I was pitching. I was I was trying to sell treatment. I was trying to get involved in these programs because I am going to sell my treatment center. I am going, to, and and the thing is is. I should have, you know, I, I'm not educated enough to sell education. I'm not educated enough to create some type of program. But if someone is listening or someone wants to share this and they know someone that would like to sit down and kind of brainstorm or mastermind getting in touch with the right people where we can kind of create an educational program that we can produce for young kids. My daughter the other day was like, you know, daddy, like no one in school believes that you're sober. Well, you know what? If she's talking about this in fourth grade, then I guess that's an open discussion that needs to be talked about in fourth grade. <coughs> Excuse me, I just had a cough. But um, I, I think you know, I, I understand what you're saying, and um, I think we are going in that direction as far as education. So basically, what you're saying is we need to educate the kids first about not necessarily treatment, but about the dangers of yeah, the the substance abuse funding yeah. that we keep asking for should be probably pushed towards education and not better treatment centers. Yeah, and I I think I, I mean I don't know if there's like if there's people um, I know some schools have it. I mean we've we've tried very hard, um, you know, to to get here in in our community and, and you and guys are been, close. We're getting there. We're getting there. But you know what? It's been a long, hard battle, and uh, it shouldn't actually be that hard because, um, the, like you said, fourth graders are talking about it. It's in their family. They recognize it. They see it. And, you know, they're not really sure how to process it. And so, you know, I mean. Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't have to tell my daughter I shoot heroin. Yeah. But she understands when I say daddy was sick. Right. So we can talk to them. Right. And we can we can get to their level. And trust me, it, people say, well, no matter all the education and all this stuff in the world would never curb it. I don't believe no, that. I don't believe that either. I don't. Like, I do believe there is some spiritual sickness, but I also believe that with the right education, the right family, and the right support for that family, yeah, I honestly believe that you can curb the problem. Well, I'll tell you. I, I don't believe in, well, just wait till they get to rock bottom and we'll meet them yeah, there. No, 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 no. That, and you know what? Here's a perfect example of that. Tobacco. Smoking is down. Why? Because um, kids are getting educated on it. They've been educated on it. So when and this is a fact, man. You educate kids, they're gonna make the right decisions. So uh, I think sometimes we often say, "Oh, they don't know anything," but they do. They do. We've actually uh, working with the civics group um, here in um, Holbrook. I mean, you'd be blown away what these kids are talking about. What, what is the civics are... group? Can you explain that uh, a little? Yeah, it's, so one of the women from, um, Holbrook is, uh, Mary Clawher works up at the school. And so, um, she works with the, um, civics group and it's like sixth graders and there's a whole bunch of them and they're always doing different projects. They, they're taking on, um, you know, um, things. Uh, so I'm just, let me think for a second. I think I just lose track of time here, but I think it was two years ago, maybe not even that long, but 
the sixth grade is in the civics group. Uh, they wanted to um, they wanted to address the drug problem. This is what sixth graders wanted to do. They they. It's crazy to me because I just thought sixth graders shouldn't be dress, addressing a drug problem. They should be enjoying life. But yeah. this is, this is, you know how real it is. So well, and and that's that's where the frust- not frustration, but it, it's actually inspiring. Is that these kids are, these we have kids fighting harder than the addicts are yeah. fighting right now for the addicts' lives. Listen, we have kids fighting um, more than the parents. And, and uh, you know, if people get pissed off because that's too bad, I don't care. Um, you know, we, we're doing all these meetings and stuff, and we're trying to make a difference, and I'm not seeing people. And, and I get it. You know, everybody's busy. I'm busy. People are busy. But, you know, we have to think about these kids and their future. I, and I, perfect example. I've got a family member. She's uh, she's 16, and, and we have another family member that's struggling right now. And uh, at 16 years old, and he, and and he's older. He's a he's a grown adult. And um, she she writes to him yesterday and tells him like, basically, when are you gonna cut it out? Like, like enough is enough. Like, you don't have any more excuses. And like, when are you going to change? And the reason why she's fighting for his life because right. she wants a wants her brother around. Right. B wants him wants him to survive. You know, and she wants him to survive because she sees potential. And that's that's why I'm pushing for the education piece is because I don't look at – look, I am so grateful that treatment centers exist. And I do believe that we do need more. Absolutely. But I also believe that – We can do better. We Yeah, we can do better with education. We can curb certain problems with better education, Absolutely. early intervention education. You know, it, it shouldn't be a stigma to talk to a – four. you can teach – Middle schoolers, sex ed, but you can't teach them about the dangers of heroin use or how OxyContin can transition into heroin use or better educate people on opioids. Aren't you amazed at how many people don't even really truly understand how painkillers work, like parents mm. and stuff like that? How many, like we, I think we talked about this last week, but you know, going into the doctor's office and just as, assuming that the doctor knows the best answer, and so we just kind of go with the flow. And we we can't do that anymore. We have to speak up. Because and you cannot let the doctor become the head of your household. No. You are the head of, I'm the head of my household. Bill's the head of his household. <coughs> well, my dog is kind of the, she runs the show. But Lexi? Lexi. Yeah, yeah is Lexi, Lexi is not here today. No. Lexi is at home. So I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm bashing treatment centers. But lately, the, that's all I see is that they're the number one influence inside the schools. And the problem is, is just like myself. I go in for an hour, I speak to the kids, and I don't see them for maybe another year. Yeah. One school. So it's like, how am I really affecting them? You know what? I gave them a motivational speech that they're going to forget about, right. you know, 48 hours later. So for you to go in, and anybody else that has been, um, if who's in recovery that has gone out to speak to the schools, I think it's extremely powerful because it, you can't you can't fake a testimony. You can't say, oh, yeah, no, that didn't happen. No, it happened. That's, that's real. But I think what you're trying to say is... We need the we need the treatments without a doubt, but if somehow those treatment centers could be um, tied in with um, with um, education in the school, or, or it really yeah, would or, help. Or if you have it, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, if you, it, yeah, no, exactly what you're saying. Um, or maybe not even have the treatment centers tied into the schools, and have uh, you know someone with a master's in education and a psychiatrist that specializes in substance abuse sit down and write out a curriculum. You know, like, yeah. well, how hard is it to write out a new curriculum? It, it, it shouldn't be that hard. You have so much so much 
evidence and you have you have so many facts and you have new information that is coming out and i get so frustrated with doctors going well we didn't know what we were selling you know look you go to school for medicine stop saying that to to minimize the damage that you've done because it aggravates it really does oh i didn't know what i was giving out no you did yeah i think i think that's that's one of those things shane that um you know, I, I think doctors go to school, and I, I do remember th- hearing somewhere, and I'm not sure exactly where it was, but um, um, as they go through and they get their education and everything, they're not really uh, focused on addiction and all those things. But yeah, now, but you you hind- understand what so, but put it this way, you understand. So my 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 girlfriend's a dental hygienist. Yeah, and she was telling me a story about uh, a patient that after she cleaned uh, the patient's mouth, the patient was bleeding a lot. And she goes, you know, what's going on? She goes, D- D- are you on any, you know, I asked you if you're on any medication. And the woman goes, I'm on, and I don't remember the name of the medication, but it was a blood thinner. Yeah. And she goes, oh, you didn't tell me that. Like, And she goes, I'm so sorry. And I go, I, I asked I asked her, I'm like, what, that's a blood thinner? And, and she goes, yeah. And, the, and she named two others yep. that were a blood thinner. So she knows, she knows the effects of three different medications yeah. for one purpose. Right. So I don't I don't buy that necessarily, but I I just I want to see better education. I don't you know I do want to see better treatment centers, but I want to see better education. I want to see early education because early this is my daughter on the line. This right. is this is your you know our kids, um, and we're being told to wrap it up. Look, um, that was fast. That was fast. That was a half hour. That was awesome. That was a half hour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we could keep going all we day. We could. Yeah. We could. I don't even know if we made any sense. I hope we did. I hope we did too. I so hope it didn't come out as let's a, as wrap a this up. Fist. No, no, no. And I want people. So just as people, are, you know, we, you're not necessarily going to agree with anything that we have to say. And as we know, and as, this is my opinion. I, I'm it's not just the an one. Opinion. That's yeah. It. And we we love Shane. Yeah. And as you know, if you watch the first podcast, I have a 12th grade education. Shane has an 11th grade. Yeah, that's why the baby in me just came out. That's right. No, so. but you know, I'm, no, I, you but know what it is? You know what it, but you know what it is? I'm, I'm passionate about yeah. helping others at all costs, and I don't knock the way other people help. I guess it's now I'm starting to look at my own life and view my own goals and morals and values, and, and I want to make that change. I would like to make that change. Yeah. And I believe it starts at education. And, right. and if you can prove me wrong, if someone could prove me wrong, then I, you know, I would be humble. But I, I don't, I don't believe that you can't curb drug addiction with early education. You, you can't curb at all. Life's not perfect. Right. But you can definitely do some damage to the damage that's already done. Hey, and you know what? Again, like I said earlier, if you, if you can educate kids, they will make the right decisions. They will. I mean, um, so I. I I agree with you, Shane. I think this is um, this this is why we're here, so we can continue educating. We Platform we're going to learn. Hopefully, you guys are going to learn. We're going to have a lot of um, um, speakers coming in. I I, I did um, email um, the doctor that we saw. Remember her, mm-hmm. and uh, she talks about the um, the addiction and how it affects the brain and how it you know it just uh, what it does to you. And so. Um, Hopefully we'll get her soon enough. We we actually have some pretty good speakers coming up, and yes, uh, we do. I I had a whole list of stuff of marijuana. Just I know we got to wrap this up, but because uh, I wanted to kind of touch base on that bus driver, but we're gonna have to the the bus driver they busted. Okay, he, he was yeah, to take yeah. the fifty kids on a field trip. Yeah, and he was high, so um, 
Well, I guess we'll have to talk about that yeah. another time. All right. So anything, uh, why don't you throw out that number again? So if you want to call, if you need help, um, if you just have any questions, you can call 1-888-415-9139. That's 1-888-415-9139. Uh, thank you so much for listening on our fifth show. Um, it, it's been an honor. Five. That's amazing. Right. And we're, this guy, we're right along. this guy is a man of many, many yeah. different uh, avenues. He's got the uh, BF comedy. I do. He's got a full time job. Um, you know, I'd like to talk uh, eventually about what you do. Uh, you know, with the House of Corrections and oh yeah, as a corrections officer, because that that's got to be an amazing journey. Um, but this man is an amazing we do a lot, talent. Both of us. Yes. So, lot, so thank you for listening. Um, we have to wrap up, and um, we will definitely. Get back to you yeah. next week. Next week we'll be back on Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday five thirty. Wednesday five thirty. Sounds good. Four thirty. Can you swing four thirty? I'll try to swing. Either way, we're going to be here Wednesday, and then I would just say, if it, listen, if you, I'm working. It Chain's got a job. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> um, but if you have any um, um, thoughts or whatever, um, again, rock bottom to recovery. Go to our Facebook page and uh, leave a message. You liked it. You didn't like it. What your thoughts were. Um, and just kind of help us as we move forward educating people. And that's it. So I'm going to hit the finish button. There I go.